Welcome to another episode of Before the Green and After the Checkers. It's great to have Donnie back, and we're coming off a pretty good race at Richmond where the Hendrick Motorsports cars showed their speed again. Ross Chastain, as per usual, was implicated in an incident. This time, however, he didn't seem to actually be involved with it. And Denny Hamlin sends J.J. Yaley for a ride after talking about how the garage has no respect in it anymore. Let's get this hashed out, Donnie. Good, buddy. You? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Good, good. Uh, so, what did you think about that race this weekend? Finally, some decent racing. I mean, not that this season's been horrible, but I feel like we're starting to find a groove now. Yeah, I think Richmond's probably my top three of the races so far. I think, um, like, I really enjoyed Daytona this year, although that may have had more to do with company with you and Corey here um, than the racing itself, you know, but. I uh, really enjoyed yeah. Daytona. I really liked Fontana, and I really liked Coda. So uh, I'm not sure which one I knock out to put it in the top three, but I, I think it's there. Yeah. You know. It was better than Vegas, we'll say that. Anything was better than Vegas. And Atlanta was <laughs> a, a snore fest until the yeah. last, what, 50, 60 laps? That's so, it. Yeah, so no, it, uh, it's, uh, it's decent, um, which, for the record... Having seen Richmond the last few years, I'm okay with decent. I haven't really been excited about Richmond in years, so. Nope, for sure. Uh, Speaking of excited, we finally got one of our predictions right. Kyle Larson (laughs) wins at Richmond, for the record. My prediction. Eh? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Uh, So, after losing two in a row to William Byron, uh, back-to-back weeks there earlier this season, he steals one back after Byron led the most laps in the race with 117 and won his series-leading fifth stage of the season. So he's having a a really good run, of course, but uh, didn't end so well. Josh Berry finished second in the nine car. Bowman finished eighth, and Byron finished 24th. It does raise the question, though, had the incident with Christopher Bell not happened, is it realistic to think that Hendrick Motorsports would have likely had all four cars in the top ten? And I, I think... I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty blatantly obvious to me that that oh, was probably the absolutely. case. It more than likely would have ended with Kyle Larson in second. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think Byron was by far the class of the field, not only early, but middle of the race, late race. You know, Had it not been for that three-wide contact with Bell, I really don't think anyone else wins the race. No, it's, uh, I mean, he's been the story of the year. But I don't think anybody was more happy to see Bell get into Byron than Kyle Larson, for sure, able to pull that monkey off his back and get on the win column this season. Yeah, I think uh, he kind of got, I won't say he got robbed of two, but he straight up lost races twice to William Byron, and William Byron outdrove him. And uh, yeah. I saw, I forget where I saw it exactly this week, but Kyle Larson basically said he's been watching races from 2021. 
to remind himself that he used to be good. Uh, and those <laughs> those are his words, which, you know, he was champion, what, tw- I think it was 2021 that he was champion? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, this year he's kind of seen, like, you know, the old RCR, like, or, you know, not RCR, but uh, Chip Ganassi. Yeah. The 42 car. Like, the guy was just known to finish second place. You know what I mean? Yeah, always fast, just but just able. didn't catch breaks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of that's playing with your confidence for sure. So, I mean, to be able to get the win this this soon in the season and put all that behind you, it's got to feel good for him. Yeah, and right now, too, um, I think we can all clearly say that Hendrick Motorsports is the team at the top of the heap right now. And we can even probably narrow that down and say that William Byron and the 24 team are probably the top of the heap. But um, I, I guess... I mean, I don't really know if you can say at the top of the heap. Like, they're basically a class of their own this year. Yeah, it's, I it's I like comparing... A dominant like this. Yeah, it's like comparing the top 1% to the middle class, right? It's exactly. <laughs> it's not really on the same chart right now. Um, but as always, I mean, that leaves the door open for someone to come up and, and, and take that position away. So if you're looking at NASCAR right now with the way it's lining up, um, taking the other Hendrick Motorsports teams out of the equation here as far as, you know, whether or not they're going to take that top spot from William Byron or not, um, who do you think right now is the team that's most poised to take the top position from Hendrick Motorsports? Like that, man, it's just such a tough one this season because it, honestly, I don't know. I don't know who can. Like I would lean towards Gibbs, but you know, I'm a coyote guy. But I mean, as far as a stable of racers go, like Benny Hamlin, Truex, Bell, like you're going to be hard pressed for them not to, not to get in the win column. But I mean, I don't know, man. Like, it's looking near impossible to beat these boys over at Hendrick. What's interesting to me, actually, Donnie, too, is I'm not convinced that necessarily Hendrick is that dominant. It seems like week in and week out we see these other teams beating themselves. And I think there's an element there of maybe Hendrick's not having as stellar of a year as we think. Don't get me wrong. They're having a stellar year. But they may not be that off the charts so much as the other teams just seem to have lost something a little bit this year. And, you know, uh, you're 100% right on that because just, you know, going back to Gibbs, look at Denny Hamlin, two speeding penalties on pit road. Yeah. Like, what veteran in the sport is getting them, like, in good position when he does it? You well, know what I mean? Not only that, he had a, rec, a Rick Ware car for position, so. <laughs> Which, we'll get to that later, too, but, you yeah. know, that, that he did that um, – you know, Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney has not been having a good year. He said Man. in seven races, he's had three finishes outside the top 20. Yeah. You know, Penske, like Penske's not looking great. Uh, other than That's Logano true. having that win, they really haven't had any exceptional performance. Yeah. You know? And I like Joey, I feel like it's the type of driver that's going to drive whatever equipment you put him in. But like, obviously, Cedric and Blaney aren't, you know, living up to Joey's standard and like it, I'm, I can't say Penske's going to be the guys to take over and put Hendrick in trouble. Stuart Haas Racing's not looking incredible. Like Harvick's looking decent, but I mean, it's Harvick. Harvick usually always does. Right. Like, it's just, yeah, like I know, I, I agree with you. I think teams are beating themselves, and Hendrick, I think, is just doing everything right right now. Yeah, I actually think the team that I'm, I'm not going to say that they're, 
close to taking over that position at all because they think they've got other spots to take first. But one one other team that has a, it really impressed me this year, uh, other than the Trackhouse guys, which we talk about all the time. Uh, so yeah. I think I think it's almost getting to the point where maybe they're not as impressive as we think they are, simply because if they're doing it week in and week out, it's nothing stellar, right? Like it's. Yeah, uh, I, I should, honestly thought that's where you were going with this. Yeah, I shouldn't say it's not stellar. What I mean is it's it's becoming the norm. Right, so yeah, maybe maybe it's not that we're amazed that they're good. It's just that we're not used to them being there yet. Uh, but I think we need to be. I think that's where they're going to be long. But one team that has impressed me so much this year with how they've turned it around is uh, RFK um, Keselowski. Yeah. Man has been having a wicked year. Busher's had a little bit Very of bad luck here, but year. yeah, um, I mean he pretty near one in Atlanta and he led laps, I believe, every week until. Um, uh, until Coda, uh, he had led laps in every race, uh, if if my yeah. if my memory serves me correct. So that's a huge turnaround from a team where last year everyone was kind of like, oh, man, really kind of sucks to see Brad go out kind of the same way that we talked about Jimmy going out where, you know, former champion, obviously not a seven-time champion, but former champion, yeah. and then all of a sudden just no performance and, uh, you know, I think we were all kind of worried about his legacy a bit. Yeah, that didn't help. Like, right out the gate, it just was bad news after bad news. It kind of reminded me a bit of... No, go ahead. I was just saying Busher got that win late in the season. That kind of salvaged it. Right. But, I mean, I I didn't expect to see this turnaround. Like, Brad Kay's looking competitive week in and week out. Like, it's not like, you know, he's going to roll the dice on a Daytona or a Daga. Like, the guy legit is a threat at any race he shows up this year. And last year, like, that wasn't the case at all. No. Um, actually, I think if you um, if you remember back when Michael Waltrip racing first got underway, I don't know, I think it was 07 uh, that he came onto the track with Michael Waltrip racing in the Toyotas. And he got that major penalty at Daytona. And I think they find him, I, I forget how many points, um, but it put him outside of the top 35 in points. And back then, if you weren't in the top 35, you had to qualify on speed. And it really put a lot of extra pressure because you didn't have that guaranteed starting spot because you were in the top 35 in points. And we didn't have a charter system then. And if you look back at that situation last year with Brad Keselowski, it reminds me a lot of that situation with Michael Waltrip. And what I think saved that team uh, from an extremely brutal year last year was the fact that we do have the charter system in place. Um, And the reason why is twofold. Obviously, by having a charter, they're guaranteed to be in. And because we have the charter system, we don't have many guys coming to qualify on speed for many races outside of, you know, Daytona and Talladega, where there's usually a few. Um, But, you know, putting if we go back to that same period of time and he has that same issue at the beginning of the season, I think we have a really different outlook for RFK right now. And I don't think it's as positive as it is for them today. Yeah, absolutely. But good news is we're not in that situation anymore. And so (laughs) he's not either. (laughs) Yeah. But honestly, too, that's probably why, you know, Brad took a chance at RFK. Like, in the old system, you got to wonder, does he leave Penske to start this adventure, or do you stay where it's safe kind of thing? Right, because at least Michael had Toyota's money coming in. Yeah. Right. Um, Speaking of Toyota, following the race, one of their drivers uh, had a little bit of hot water. 
Um, Christopher Bell blamed contact with William Byron on Ross Chastain. Uh, And I wrote the quote down. I'm going to read it to you um, just so that everyone listening can hear it as well. But here's what he said. He said, the bonsai came in and put us three wide. The wrecking ball came in and made us three wide at the last second, and there wasn't enough room to be three wide. He didn't do anything wrong. That's just his M.O. I feel bad for the number 24 because he probably didn't get the memo that we're going to be three wide because I barely got the memo that we're three wide. That's just the way it always is. Uh, so basically, really flat out accuse uh, Ross of causing that incident. What is interesting is, although he accused him of it, he never once said that they actually made contact. Um, yeah. So, and um, so I think that's an important element. But he did come in later on this week. Uh, I believe it was Monday. Watched the replay. Tweeted out an apology early in the week. Uh, now that being said, Ross has been accused of a lot. Much of it, obviously, is quite justified. But watching the replay, it was quite obvious that it actually wasn't Ross's fault at all. So that raises a question for me, and I know you're a bit invested in Christopher Bell's future, but is the apology from Bell enough, or does this open the door for a potential rivalry between he and Ross? Because that's quite an accusation, and it's a lot of very descriptive metaphors that aren't particularly positive about a guy, you know, to call him a wrecking ball, essentially. Honestly, if I'm Christopher Bell's PR team right now, I, I hate this apology. I, I don't think he needed to give it. Because watching that race live, the first thing I thought was, Ross Chastain, you friggin' idiot. And here's the thing. Chastain constantly is putting his car into people. He's constantly putting his car where it doesn't belong. And he's taking people out of races. This is the first time where, yeah, he didn't make contact. And I think Christopher Bell anticipated that and tried to save his car from Chastain and moved up and took Byron out. Like, I, I don't think Christopher Bell was wrong in the move that he made because, you know, a hundred out of a hundred times, Chastain's putting his car there and it's going to take him out. So, like, this one time that he doesn't, and it just it looks like Bell causes the wreck, you know what I mean? But when you're driving that fast and you're anticipating and you're going off of the guy how he drives week in and week out, I just, I don't think he needed to give that apology. I think he should have stuck to his guns. So really what you're saying then is, is Chris was, Christopher, sorry, was right in the sense that his MO really, the fact that he always does that is what caused the accident. Like it kind of, kind of created the situation. Yeah. Like, let's say, you know, next week you don't try to move your car and you stay there. It's probably going to be a week that Chastain, puts you in a barn and takes you both out. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there's there's not a driver in NASCAR I dislike more than Chastain. We both know that. The guy's classless, and he puts his car where it doesn't belong. He's got no respect for the rest of the field. And I think, you know, you got to race a guy like that. And I think that's what happened to Bell. And unfortunately, like, it, you know, he took out Byron. He didn't get hit. But like, that's what sucks is that we're going to, you know, say, oh, Christopher Bell's horrible. It's all his fault. Like, unless he gets wrecked by Chastain, then it's like, oh, yeah, no, that was justified. Like, you can't drive like an idiot and then just, yeah, one time not do it and everyone assume that's what you're going to do. I don't know. Yeah, I think. And again, you know, Bell's my boy, so 
Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, I do think you're right. I think history dictates future, and and when you know someone's history, then obviously you're going to assume that a similar situation is going to occur. And and who's to say if he hadn't moved up a little bit that, that Chastain wouldn't have got him, right, and taken them both out. So I don't necessarily disagree that you're wrong. Um, I, I do think... I do think we're in an age where we give so much access to a microphone to everybody uh, in the heat yeah. of a moment without giving them time to even, you know, even if even if Christopher had have had a chance to watch the replay, uh, he might have at least worded it differently. He might have still said a lot of what he said and implied what he implied, um, but perhaps it would have at least been a little more accurate. I think the lack of accuracy is kind of what's affecting some people's opinion of his just of, um, of his credibility uh, in the sense that because it was inaccurate on his assessment, therefore they're kind of taking away his credibility of what happened and who caused it and whatnot. But I think you're right. I, I do think that Chastain's history is what led to that because nobody wants to get taken out, especially late in a run like that when you're having a good run. I mean, Chris Rebell finished up with a top five finish. Um, so, you know, obviously he doesn't want to get taken out. He obviously doesn't want to get William Byron either, but he's not there to save William Byron. He's there to make sure he gets to the finish line. So I can't really disagree with you more. Or sorry, I can't really agree with you more. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, that sounded like we were agreeing pretty good there until the end. <laughs> yeah, but I just feel like we always agree and we need to be on differing sides a bit. So I'm just going to say I disagree and then not prove it. Yeah. <laughs> but you talk about respect in the garage and, you know, we, we've we talked about Denny a few times this year. Um, and we actually talked about Denny last week, Sean and I, and uh, his his comments on actions detrimental and his subsequent fine and things like that. And he's been talking all year about respect in the garage. And he's been in the headlines a lot for wrong reasons already this season, which, to be honest, typically we don't see that a whole lot out of Denny Hamlin until later in the year. But he runs over J.J. Yaley on entry into turn one, and it appears that on exit of four, just before they got there, that J.J. Yaley had run a bit high on the exit, might not have even known they were three wide, um, but Hamlin was in the middle. And it looks to me like perhaps it got a little tight. And then all of a sudden it looks to me, and Denny has since denied this, of course, but it looks to me like... He's not admitted to anything again this year. Well, yeah, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) But it appeared appeared to me to be retaliation. I think everybody watching it thought so. So, I mean, if you're going to talk about... Betty wrecked him on purpose. Like, everybody knows. Yeah, I mean... You could have put the greenest person in the world watching that race who'd never seen anything in their life, NASCAR related, and they would have been like, oh, we could wreck <laughs> people intentionally in this sport? And, and, I mean, I don't think you get to talk about having no respect in the garage and then take out a guy who's literally, I mean, they were running for, their, it was the 32nd lap. So, JJ's... Like a short track racing, I really, like, what do you expect? Yeah, but I mean, like, there. Yeah, I don't know where Denny's head is at. Like, there's no space. This is short track, like this is what you do. Right, and there's no space, and you know that Rick Ware Racing probably doesn't have the best spotter, right? So you kind of got to assume maybe JJ are just didn't know. Helen Keller this year. What's that? Sorry. Is it, are they still using Helen Keller this year? <laughs> 
I don't I don't think she's alive anymore, Donnie. <laughs> um I didn't see that or hear about that. <laughs> anyway, speaking of no respect. Um you know, after having talked about there being no respect in the garage for the past couple of weekends, is this not a bit of the pot calling the kettle black? Oh, hundred percent. But I mean, Denny just needs to shut up this year. Like honestly, the guy just he's losing credibility so quick. Like just, yeah, someone needs to, whoever told Christopher Bell to issue that apology, needs to tell Denny to shut his mouth because he's just digging a hole week in and week out. You know what? I honestly think it is. What's that? I think he thinks every microphone is just his podcast and he can edit it later. (laughs) That's got to be it. (laughs) Because it doesn't seem to matter. He always has a rant. Um, it doesn't, yeah. you know, he's never like, yeah, the team's great. It's always like, this went wrong. These drivers are idiots, you know, whatever. And I mean, nobody's been better at making enemies in the last decade than Denny Hamlin. Yeah. You know, the guy the took Chase Elliott. About, so, yeah, I mean, there you go. But like this whole talk of respect thing, like, it's funny that you got Denny Lee in the charge, Kyle Bush. Yeah, you know what I mean, like it's just like, uh, okay. What, what's yeah, pot meat kettle. Well, yeah, and I mean, what's interesting to me is they're talking about how much respect in the garage there was from the generation before them, and how little there is in the generation coming after them, and it doesn't seem like they've put two and two together that maybe <laughs> the generation in between those two has a yeah. lot to do with the lack of respect in the garage. I mean, if you look at guys who came up in there, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, I mean, is there a more me-driven trio than those three guys? Like, right. they don't care who you are. They're going for the win, man. Exactly. You know? And that's why they win. Like, And two of those guys have multiple championships. Yep. The other one, not so much. <laughs> The other one has a successful podcast. Well, and I'm not even convinced it's successful yet. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. He's got more listeners than we do, guaranteed. But it's just because he has bigger family. That's right. Yeah. I money. <laughs> uh, let's talk winners and losers from the past week. Who do you got for winners this weekend? I mean, you got to go Josh Berry. Yes. Like, filling in in the nine car. I mean, you know, just being able to drive that nine car, like, every eye in the sport's on you because it's Chase's car and then actually put that thing in second place. I mean, that's got to feel good. Yeah, and it's funny. We were talking earlier in the season about all these guys that are potentially retiring and, you know, where do you where, where do you get the guys coming up from Xfinity? Because, you know, it's kind of a little picked over right now, but... If that didn't prove that Josh Berry is probably one of, if not the guy that you need to be looking at in the Xfinity Series right now for your cup ride, I don't know what did, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I realize his first race was horrible, but you think about it. The man found out Friday night he was filling in Sunday morning, didn't have his right seat, didn't even have a communication built up with that team for a lot of it. You know, threw him to the wolves and obviously didn't have a great race, but... Three weeks later, four weeks later, whatever it is, here we are sitting with a, a runner-up finish, and uh, to be honest, you know, finished only like a second and a half behind the leader. So yeah, 
And I mean, like, you got, like, if I'm with brothers right now, like, I'm looking at a guy like Josh Berry and thinking, like, why do we have Harrison in that car? Yeah, and my only, my only concern there is, I don't think Chevy wants to let him go, but where does Chevy put him? That's it. You know? I mean, <laughs> by Ty Dillon. <laughs> yeah, but do you really want to waste him on a Spire car? That's it. Oh, right? man. So, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's hard to look at the situation and find a good option for him because Hendrick is full up with multi year contracts right now. Yeah. Richard I mean, Childress. You got, the point, Peter. you got the guy who's tearing the world on fire, and those are your bottom two drivers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know. Like, and RCR's filled up with Kyle Bush, who's probably one of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. And then the owner's grandson, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't imagine he's going to be willing to give up his seat. So unless RCR somehow finds a way to go to a third car, if they should even want to, then I don't really yeah. see where there's the option unless Dale Jr. finally pulls something together and says, you know what, I'm going to go cup racing. And you know what, to be honest, with Josh Berry, he might just have enough support from Chevrolet because I think Chevrolet wants more competitive cars in Cup, um, if that's yeah. even possible right now. Um, then again, here's the thing, too. Does Rick Hendrick want a fifth car? And I know you can't have five cars, but, like, will he throw money at Dale Jr. and be like, hey, bring this kid up? Yeah, could it be a, a situation like we have with Joe Gibbs in 2311 where there's a lot of support coming down the line to 2311? Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I think he's definitely a guy to watch. Um, another guy who impressed me this weekend was Michael McDowell. Um, somewhat of a closet McDowell fan anyway. Uh, obviously not in top equipment, but I love it when he runs well. Finished sixth, which is his best result in Richmond ever, and his best on the yep. season. Uh, just right on the cusp of that top five, which would have been great. And that is not a track where we see front row or McDowell typically run well. Um, you don't see any new guys or, like you said, like back row guys do well here. The fact that we had Josh Berry in second place and a car like McDowell's in top six, like wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, – no, I mean, at least Josh Berry had the equipment. I'm not even convinced yeah. McDowell had that, you know. Yeah. Especially, like, your, your brakes are so important at a track like that that they don't overheat and stuff like that. And that's usually not an area that – a lot of those teams focus on is brakes. They're having trouble going fast. Why in the world they want to try and slow down, right? So it's a uh, it's a really good result. Uh, we've been seeing we've been seeing some good stuff out of front or sorry. I always want to call them front row, and I I'm no, it is front row. No, it is front row, isn't it? Yeah. I was thinking I was calling them the wrong name because I was thinking I was calling them furniture row, um, which I, I kind of miss furniture row sometimes. What better than a flat black car? Yeah. Oh, that's right. We got Ty Gibbs. We've got it. <laughs> um, you're throwing Truex out there. I'm going to put him in my loser category. FYI. Yeah. Why yeah. That? that pitch strategy, man, that caused he had a better run going than that. And uh, yeah. not only did it cause him to fall a little bit in the positions, which he finished just as high top 10, not a horrible day. Um, but it, the day where you were leading and looking strong. Yeah. Because I, that caution doesn't come out. Like, you know, 
we're probably talking about the 19 being, yeah, maybe up three points to none. Yeah, instead there's a lot of talk about some tension on that team, so that's not exactly what you need going into kind of the grind of the year, right, as we come into once we get past Bristol, I guess, we're kind of getting into our main part of the season. Um, getting yeah, where's of... that tension coming from? I, I know we didn't really talk too much into that. Was that like between him and the crew chief, or is that him and Joe Gibbs? Yeah, it sounds um, It sounds like there was some talk on the radio during the race. Um, yeah. Specifically, <laughs> it kind of sounds, and, and I haven't heard the audio. I've simply been seeing what I've been seeing on Twitter and, and other right. things like that. But it appears as though there was some discussion Uh, more towards the end of the race where it didn't appear like Truex really agreed with the strategy they were on. Um, And so uh, there was, there was definitely some words exchanged. And that being said, every team gets like that a little bit. You know, we saw it with Chad and Jimmy. We saw it with heck. We saw it with Jeff and Jimmy, even, you know, driver to driver, but um, you know, there's not every, when things aren't going right, there's obviously tension there, but it. uh, And Truex has a history of that. The guy's constantly fired up. I mean, we've heard him yell on the radio quite a bit in his career. Well, the reason I like him, the reason you don't like him. Well, the other thing is, too, though, I mean, sometimes that works against you. Look at Richard Petty and Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about losers? Oh, man. Like, that is just that whole organization, like, top to bottom. Like, you hate to see the way Jimmy went out of the sport. Like, you always want to see a champion like that, you know? Go out on top or go out near the top. But, like, to not be competitive leaving the sport and then to come back in and be that much worse, it's just, oh, what a mess that legacy has been. Yeah, legacy's had a rough start. Um, it started with the discussions of what Richard Petty was saying behind Jimmy's back, and then, uh, well, I guess not really behind his back if it's <laughs> facing the public. But seeing it at the biggest race yeah. <laughs> Where's the most media? That's where I'll air my grievances. Um, yeah. So that wasn't great, but then you add in too, like it's been a horrible, horrible racing for them. And they've got, you know, Eric Jones had some really strong runs with them last year, has yeah. not pulled anything together really this year. Uh, they've got oh, a. Yeah. And they got a talented rookie with Gregson. Um, who, for the record, is really not looking nearly as good right now in the uh, in the Rookie of the Year with Ty Gibbs having three in a row ninth-place finishes, which is really impressive for a rookie. Um, yeah. So, you know, they've got a lot of things going for them, but it doesn't seem to be panning out, man. No. I mean, you got Jimmy coming back and not even getting a lap in. Like, it's oh, like Coda? It just yeah, it's just hit after hit for the guys. Yeah, literally, I think he got hit twice there. <laughs> yeah, and then we were talking earlier, just before we came on air here. Uh, Bruce Mosley uh, hired February first, and already he's quit his job, leaving the organization. So like, you gotta imagine that you know that infighting is probably still going on there. It can't be that great of a place to work if you know. Yeah, it it would be interesting to see the motivation. Yeah, because he was president of business operations, so it would be interesting to see what his motivation was for leading, or sorry for yeah. for leaving. Maybe not leading was the issue, but um, because 
I don't think at that point, like we're what you say it was February 1st, you get hired. So we're two months away yeah. from that mark. You know, he, he, he's barely collected four paychecks. So yeah. it would be interesting to see, you know, what led to that? Because I don't think you could even look at your time there and go, this is where we were. Like, you can't even tell the trajectory at this point, right? You just kind of know where yeah, you've you started. This is for the faster. You know, we didn't get off. Like, no, like, you literally, like, you weren't even a broke in your office chair yet. Right, which makes me think you might be onto something that it is more about the work environment than it is about whether or not he was being successful in his role. Maybe, it, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's a purely speculation on my part. There's been no comment from him or from Legacy, but. Yeah, and it'll probably always be in front of Richard's face if you want to call him and you'll get one. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, he was one of Jimmy's boys, and we didn't like <laughs> Jimmy's boys. <laughs> we don't like how Jimmy's doing business around here. Yeah. And, I mean, that very well could be the case where it's just an environmental issue, but uh, yeah. it, something is wrong over there right now. And, uh, oh, absolutely. It, I mean, like, you look at, you know, RFK, they had their growing pains in year one, but, like, this, I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, Roche didn't really go backwards, you know what I mean? Right. Our, Brad came on, it wasn't like they took a step back before they went forward. Right. He invested in like, a team that was running like trash and it's it yeah. stayed there it and improved. Win with Busher. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like still brought them to victory. Like I know we still got a season left to race and that could happen for legacy, but nah, like they're just they're going backwards fast. Yeah, they they lost a lot from last year till now, which you know, to be fair, we said at the beginning of the show that maybe Hendrick's not that much better than everybody else, than normal. Maybe it's just that everyone else has kind of fallen off. And, you know, yeah. that's a perfect example of that. I think they've fallen off worse than others, of course. But, um, you know, whatever has happened, whatever has transpired there, it's it's been rough. Yeah. You got any other losers before we move on to uh, <clears throat> big winner Ev? <laughs> Just myself. <laughs> You're not a loser, Donnie. No, it's true. If I could have made those picks, I would have done a lot better for sure. I don't know, man. You had a no, fifth I, and an eleventh. I think that's better than you've done all year. <laughs> I think it's better than either one of us, to be fair, has done all year. It seems like Richmond's the track where we get the picks right. Yeah. I would have took Kyle Bush to win for sure. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a huge they're not Kyle Bush, but Kyle Larson. Guess, my guy. I'm a huge Larson fan, you know that. I bet, yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, you texted me as the race was starting, like, man, Kyle Bush is looking really good right now. I wish I had taken Kyle Bush. And I don't remember exactly where Kyle Bush finished, but it was the worst of yeah, all these no. guys. Honestly, I would have took Truex and Bush. So, honestly, buddy picking Harvick for me, <laughs> that was my only shot. <laughs> Well, let's let's recap a little bit because you're right. Sean did pick for you, um, so I'm actually I got a three point lead now. We were tied last week. I got a three point lead, and a lot yeah. of you might be thinking, "Wait a second, there's only two picks. How in the world do you get three points?" Well, the thing is, I don't know how to count, so Evan cheats and takes advantage of that. No, no. When you pick the winner, you get the extra <laughs> point. Okay, so Sean. 
picked Kevin Harvick, who finished fifth, uh, and Martin Truex Jr., who finished 11th. And I, in my infinite wisdom, um, picked Bell to go against Harvick, and Bell finished fourth to Harvick's fifth. And I chose the race winner, so it doesn't even matter where Truex finished, but I chose the race winner with Kyle Larson. Uh, so that gives me a total of three points. Uh, so now we do have a three-point gap. We're all tied up. So maybe it's your week to go 3-0 and this week, Donnie. I have a cope. <laughs> I don't know. I will be honest, yeah. Bristol Dirt is not a track that I'm like, I know who's got this this week. You know, but like, there's one guy that does stick out. Yeah, would he potentially be a guy we've talked about during this podcast? Uh, in passing. Okay. It's not who I'm thinking of then. Well, who are you thinking? No, no, you pick first. You go for it. <laughs> Taking it right now? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Joey, pick... Joey Logano. Joey Logano? Yeah. That's the guy who obviously sticks out to you? Yeah, man, he's won the race, plus he's been top ten, like... Okay. Uh, I wish I had that in front of me. No, I mean, I'm not yeah. I'm not disagreeing. It's, it's just anytime anyone ever goes, yeah, the dirt guys in NASCAR, no one's ever like, you know, Joey Logano. Yeah, that's it. Like, that's what is mind-blowing about it is, like, I don't know why he performs so well here because he isn't a dirt guy like you would think, you know, Bell, Larson, like, go with those guys. But Joey shows up to race here, and he's competitive every time. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with the guy who should have won last year before getting taken out on the last lap, who's already won once this year, Tyler Reddick. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's kind of who I had second. Oh, well. (sighs) Sucks to be you. (laughs) I guess I might as well stick with the Penske boys then, and let's go Blaney. Blaney, okay. Not Cinder, okay? No. All right. But yeah, I mean, Blaney, you gotta, you gotta put something together. He had a solid season last year. He didn't get any wins except the All Star race, which doesn't matter. And he shouldn't have got. Yeah, I mean, this year he's just off to a bad start. Like the guy needs something to, you know, right the ship kind of thing. So fair enough. I think he's, I think he could be competitive there and. Him and Joey stick together, and yeah, I could see him pulling it, you know, coming from the back, or not from the back, but being mid-pack and being there at the end. I think with this race here, like, you, you just got to take care of your equipment, and then the cautions that will come out and stuff. Just, yeah, I think it's a lot of survival. Way, yeah. You know, even... Like, usually, Blaney's pretty good at that, but... Yeah, that's true. This year, not so much, but... If the pass is anything, Blaney usually brings his car home in decent shape. So, Okay, fair enough. Well, let me throw this one at you then. I, uh, I, I always hesitate to pick him because I don't want to be that guy that picks him every week. But, um, Alex yeah, I'm going to go with Alex Bowman. Um, and I, I hear you laughing, <laughs> but he's been putting in a lot of work on dirt. Uh, he got his own dirt team that he races with consistently. He's been doing quite well getting into – you know, uh, a mains and things like that. Um, throw in there that he's having a wicked start to the year. And I think he's got momentum uh, he's on like, his side. Really though, like the guy was at first dropped down to what? Like 
22nd place and then back up to first in a yeah. matter of a week. Yeah. I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there may there may have been ex- external circumstances there. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I don't know. Do you even count it as a drop from the lead now? Like, I, I feel like he just led all the way through. Right. Right, if the penalty's not upheld. So, uh, but, yeah, that's... Um, What's that? Sorry. He got that Hendrick privilege. Well, I mean, nothing wrong with that. He had a deal no. with BK Racing at the start of his career. I think he gets a little privilege <laughs> now true. that he's here. <laughs> <laughs> you literally started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. Actually, I was talking to someone the other day, um, and we shouldn't talk about Bowman every week, but to be fair, this year he's actually been a topic that you could easily discuss each week. Um, but someone was kind of laughing the other day and uh, said he was, you know, the worst on Hendrick, which, okay, it, that's opinion, and I get why. But I will say this. Chase Elliott never had garbage equipment in Cup, always was with Hendrick. William Byron never had garbage equipment in NASCAR, period. Yeah. Uh, neither did Chase Elliott, to be fair. And Kyle Larson, he started with Chip Ganassi Racing, who, to be fair, was a B-tier team, but, you know, was never in poor equipment. Bowman's the only guy who started out in absolute junk and worked his way up to Hendrick. And so I realize that he may not have the stats that some of the other guys have just yet, but the guy actually earned his ride, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that for sure. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. I mean, but like, I forget who it was. I feel like I heard it talked about during the race. I don't know if it was Joy or not that mentioned it. But, like, uh, with Willie Byron, like, the guy has, like you said, he's never been in bad equipment. And it's like, we're just kind of starting to see his development come through because the guy's never had a race from the back. You know what I mean? Yeah, they talked like, about, uh, I, think, I think it was, uh, I think it was Clint. Um, yeah, he, or it might have been Larry Mack, but yeah, they they said you know we've never had to see William Byron struggle through the field kind of thing like with mediocre equipment, uh, and they said so it, it caused his racecraft is the term they used um, yeah to delay slower and we're just starting to see you know how that's turning out, and to be fair if if this is what it's turning into, we got a real nightmare on our hands going forward because that oh, guy's man. gonna be fearsome. Like if like if you would have you know started this season, if I would have said, "Man, I'm excited every week to tune in to watch William Byron race," I'd be like, "No, there's no way I'm saying that." But like that's the truth of the season. Like the kid has just been fun to watch. It's actually unfortunate because last year I made a prediction he'd be in the final four, and I was just a year <laughs> early. And I clowned you for that. Yeah, you clowned me hard. Like, you think how good you would have looked if that's what you, if you saved that for this year, because I would have came out as a gay clown and yet I would look like a fool. I know, and I could have totally picked Chastain for Final Four last year. Because <laughs> everybody saw that coming. Right. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was just a, a year ahead on picks, but, uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully my picks this week aren't a year ahead because. He just—he probably listened to the podcast and thought, "Wow, if Evan leaves me like that, yeah, I need to up my game." I—I I get that. I—I kind of think that's 
That's probably what happened. I mean, to be fair, I'm not on first name basis with him like you are. The guy who calls him Willie. So Wild Bill. Wild Bill. Wild Will Byron. <laughs> who was that? Blaney called him that? I might have been. I forget exactly who you know. Yeah. Yeah. And Blaney's just upset that he's with his sister. <laughs> but, well, anyway, Donnie, I think uh, unless you have something else you want to talk about, I think that kind of wraps it up for the week. Yeah, I think we're good to go. All right. Well, do you want to take us out or do you want me to? Oh, you might as well. My computer's dying down, so. All right. I just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys again so much for joining us here on Before the Green After the Checkers. Over the coming weeks, we're going to maybe try to work some things in, change our format up a little bit, and how we go about putting the show together. Might hear some new voices and little things like that, little new segment here and there, but we just want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make our podcast, um, you know, kind of inclusive for everybody in the sense that whether you're a new NASCAR fan or a long timer like us, you enjoy the content that we're creating. And I think that we've got a few different ways to go about that coming forward that are going to make that happen. So we're looking forward to that. To stay in the loop, make sure to like and follow our Facebook page. That'll keep you up to date with everything that we've been doing and what we're going to continue to do. I think over the next uh, couple days here, uh, you're going to see some additional posts on there. Normally we've only been posting when we when we actually upload our podcast. Uh, But we've got some interesting new tricks up our sleeves that we think we're going to be able to pull together for this week. Uh, But we really love having you here for each episode, and we can't wait to have you here again next week and listen to another episode uh, of me and Donnie just being friends and talking nasty. Talking dirty about the dirt in Bristol. Talking dirty about the dirt (laughs) in Bristol. This is a family-friendly podcast, Donald. This is why you do the outros. Uh, all right. Take two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. Well, Donnie, you have a great night, my friend. I can't wait to talk you to you Saturday man. night. Perfect. All right, buddy. Right. Peace out. Bye.